This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. It's a lovely Friday here. It's gorgeous. We, we jumped right into it. Last week at this time, it was like 30 degrees and raining in I Pittsburgh. guess it was. That was just one week ago, huh? Like, you, ever, you know, f- overnight frosts and things of that nature yeah, were still yeah. happening. And now it's like 90 degrees. Yeah, it's all like week 90 long. degrees. We actually got the, <laughs> the text from the fam. Get the fans out of the windows. We're closing it up. Air conditioned time. Yeah, like, wow, I told my that wife that last night. I'm like, it quick. might be time to turn on the air conditioning. She's like, hot out. we were getting freezes last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. It's beautiful out, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, lots of stuff happening around the league. Uh, interesting. Some rumors. To, and... uh, the Julio Jones stuff mm-hmm. going on. Uh, the, the maybe possibly moving on from him. Um, people thinking maybe the Ravens will, will jump into that market. Maybe the Patriots. I see the New England. You have to give – I don't know what you give up for Julio Jones, though, at this point. It's funny. I had a long conversation about this whole situation on my podcast today, and the, some of the the teams mentioned don't make sense to me. Baltimore, San Francisco, those two don't make much sense to me. Green Bay makes sense to me. Yeah. But I think the only way to do it, because they don't have a ton of cap space, is we got to make nice with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get you Julio, but we need you to restructure. You need, like, some contract cooperation from Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be, you know, super open to that? No. And, and probably not. <laughs> well, but you got him Julio Jones. But if so you make, get him Julio yeah. Jones, then everybody kisses and makes nice. And I was even taking it a step further. If you were Green Bay, would you consider sending Jordan Love for Julio Jones? I mean, I may want a, a fourth-round pick back as well or something, but – that's pretty appealing if you're Atlanta. I mean, you don't have any – he's not expensive cap-wise. You didn't get your, your quarterback, you know. So that one kind of adds up to me. Um, and then the AFC, I've heard the Raiders, and I'm sure they're always interested in stuff like that. I think New England just screams Julio, especially with some Bama ties. They made that trade for Sanu with Atlanta last year. And then one I think would really change the balance of power in the AFC South is the Colts or Titans. Are two names I've heard. I mean, if one of those guys got Julio, that might be enough for me to say. Here's the problem: I, I don't think the Titans league. could afford him. They, they got problems. The Colts can. The Colts can. The he's, Patriots can. He's fifteen point three million dollars in base salary this year. Mm-hmm. He's also got a two point seven five million dollar option. I think that's probably already picked up by mm-hmm. the by the Falcons. So it's fifteen point three million dollars against this the year. cap. Yeah, this year for a thirty two year, year old receiver. To me, the Patriots, if, if, if the Patriots calling on the Falcons, I'm like, well, you gave me a two last year for Sanu or two years ago for Sanu. It's a different staff in Atlanta. i got to have more than – it's got to be more than a two. Right. See, yeah, I think we, the two is what, it's, what the deal is. I mean, I, I think everyone knows that Atlanta's in such bad caps situation that they can hardly even, like, get their pick signed. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine – I hear what you're saying, but if I'm Belichick, I'm like, yeah, but I'm not happy I gave you a two. Right. <laughs> I did, you know. I mean, I uh, it didn't work out. 
Um, and they're two different situations. You know, they overpaid for Sanu. Um, I think a two, if I'm Atlanta, would get it done. I'm looking here at, at, at uh, Julio Jones' contract. It's not that bad. It's it's not for the new team. For the new team, right? For the the for Falcons, Atlanta, it's, it's awful. It's forty forty point five million in in dead cap space if you get rid of him. <laughs> right. You're like, better off just keeping him. Why? You I don't... guess they're so strapped that they can't get their their, their draft pick signed though. Is the way that I read. I mean, it. Here, here's the thing: his cap hit is twenty three million this year, mm-hmm. but his dead cap hit. If he's not on the team, it's forty and a half. So you're forty and a half. You're losing cap space. Yeah, yeah, you are. So that I, doesn't do you any good. I'm trying to figure out how that adds up then, I and mean, why they unless even move him. the the other the other thing that they could do would be to extend Julio Jones mm-hmm. and give him some. You know, let's, we're just going to extend you and give you some some you know dummy years at the end of this. You just yeah, get that voidables. number down. Yeah, get some voidables on there uh, because he signed through 2023. Right, and the contract's not terrible for the new team. Right, you know, I mean, assuming he's still now next close year. To the player. Next year, his dead cap number goes down to seventeen and a half million, on it with an eleven and a half million dollar salary. Okay. Next year, you could afford to move on. Well, from isn't that after? Isn't June first at all? Well, you could eat. You could take half of that. That like so, you cut. You trim twenty million of that dead cap space okay. off this year. I knew he couldn't move until after June. But 1st. you're pushing some of that into next year, then. Right. It does. You know. Yeah. Wrong. Now you're right. you're just pushing the problem down the road. For, you're going to be paying a you know. And they restructured Matt Ryan to kind a bunch of, of money next reason. year for a guy who's not on your roster. Right. No, I hear you. It's a mess. I mean, I, I guess they're the worst cap situation in the league because they don't have a lot of guys that they can move things around with either. The other name I heard from their roster was, is Grady Jarrett, the undersized, really productive defensive tackle. But I guess whoever his agent is isn't a restructurer. <laughs> like, okay, great. Well, well, I mean, I that's something. Him. That's something where you know, Grady Jarrett, you, you you go to him directly and say, "Hey, Grady, we want to give you here's a big check. We're going to give you a big check right now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Your 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 agent's also going to get said big check right now. <laughs> right, right. You this need to talk to him here. And we need to we need agent. this cap space. We need this cap space. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you want to keep Julio around or take one, this isn't taking one. Like people think that when the the a player restructures his contract, he's doing the team a favor. They're actually doing him a favor. Everyone's it's a favor for all. Yeah. I mean, any player should say yes. You get your you get your Entire or most of your check right now. Yeah, right. I mean, in, in a lump sum. If you bought a U.S. savings bond and got it two percent interest or whatever, you're making more money you're still than you would have. A chunk now as yeah. opposed to every week, and it also guarantee pretty much guarantees you that you're going to be wealthy. You know, like you're and you're going to be yeah, you're, you're going to be on the team. Job security and yeah. all those things too. So no, it, it's a it's a present for the the player. Yeah, you know, you, and, actually, maybe you call Grady Jarrett's wife. Mrs. Jarrett, would you like uh, ten million dollars right now? Check your made out to you that Grady's agent isn't grabbing. Can you come pick it up? (laughs) Yes, sir. On it. Um, It sounds like Julio's getting traded, though. I mean, I don't quite understand the numbers. I know it's going to be an after June. Well, there's got to be some some kind of value in it for the for the Falcons, or they wouldn't be doing it. No, no, they're not not sick of the player. No, no, no. Um, Another interesting thing happening. Uh, we mentioned it on Wednesday uh, that Morgan Moses with the uh, yeah. Washington football team uh, was uh, earlier in the week was granted uh, permission to seek a trade. Obviously, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've released him. That shocked me a little bit, too. I mean, a lot of these tackles moving post-draft. You know, Villanueva is one that we obviously knew and kind of saw coming. 
but Chicago trades up for Jenkins after they took took Fields, and then they cut Leno, which I thought didn't make sense to me. I'd have cut Jimmy Graham and you know kept Leno around and gone with Jenkins. Can never Leno. have enough linemen. Never have enough linemen. I'm not sure that their line got better. It got younger. And then Leno gets quickly picked up by Washington, who has the uh, the dude from LSU last year, the fourth-round pick. He started for them. He had some off-the-field issues. And they drafted Cosme. But do you have to get rid of Moses? I mean, he's a starting right tackle. He's going to be a starting right tackle somewhere this year. Yeah, he was making a decent buck. He was. He was. But yeah. he's been durable. Yeah, he's been um, reliable. Yeah, he's right. started like you know, 100 straight games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a pro bowler. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's a starter. Yeah. Um, if, if I were the Steelers, I'd at least give him a call and say, hey, what are you looking for here? Hmm. I hadn't even thought of that connection. I always keep thinking corners and outside linebackers for the Steelers, but it's not bad. I mean, he's a pure right. Right. Which is fine. You know, Banner's played both. Yeah. Chooks has played both. Um, he might be, I don't want to say he's their best tackle, but – He's the most bird in the handish. I mean, I know right. what he is. Yeah, I mean, and he's a quality player. I mean, if you think if the Ravens Physical. had the Ravens had known that the the Washington was going to release Morgan Moses, they move on Villanueva. It's a great point. I'd much rather have Moses. I'd, I'd rather have Moses, who's playing his natural position, as opposed and to he's a better run blocker. Yeah, he's the more physical, powerful player. Too. Yeah, you know, the more prototypical right. Like tackle. if you're the Steelers and you look at that and you go, okay, we we could sign him, put him at right tackle. Move Banner over to left tackle. Let him compete with with, yeah, with Chooks over there. Right, and all of a sudden you're you're you know let's say if Banner wins that left tackle job, your run blocking got a whole lot different. A whole lot different. I'd even consider. Would you consider signing him a two year deal? Potentially, yeah. yeah. Because you, you know because then you kind of eliminate that need for yeah. next year if if you thought there was. Now one, what I what I don't know is guy. how well he would fit into his own blocking. Right. You know, it, does he fit with what you want to do? I don't know that 100%, but they did resign Banner quickly. Yeah. He was moved better than people think, but he's a masher, I mean, at heart. Right. So I'm not sure that stuff's as, as defined as it used to be. I yeah. mean, even the Shanahan's of the world, yeah, they're a heavy zone team, but it's not like they don't run you know, other stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not no, and, this, and that's the thing. The Steelers are still going to run power packages. And, oh, yeah. You know, even in college. Double teams. Yeah. And, you, know, right. um, you look at Najee Harris's stats from last year. Bama split it up about 50 50 in his, in his mm-hmm. zone runs and his, in his power runs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so you're going to do that, and boy, you might do it better if you sign a guy like that. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of that option at all for Pittsburgh and was kind of shocked they couldn't trade him. I mean, I guess it's a financial thing, and there's not he a lot of teams that He was making like nine and a half or something yeah. like that or ten. Um, you know, you're not going to trade for that. No, he, there's not many teams that have a lot of, yeah. you know, open space. Now you can sign him, if, you know, maybe he costs you four this year. Yeah, I was thinking like nine million over two years with a little bit of a bonus, something yeah. like that, and maybe even, uh, you know, you plug him in at right tackle, but that doesn't mean he can't lose his job a year from now, or you know, Chukes is awesome, or you know, somebody yeah. shines in camp that he doesn't even I mean, win the job again. It would make you a better football team, I think. Uh-huh. It would, and it would certainly help physicality, short yardage, some of the things that have been problems. Yeah, with the people run game talking. Too. I think. If the Steelers made a move like that, suddenly their offensive line would look – people would be going, oh, okay, they, they upgraded their offensive line. Right, Moses next to DeCastro's. Like, yeah. There's two pros, yeah. you know, and then three other spots need to shake themselves out. And I think – I mean – I think I think everybody – at least in, already shaken out. everybody in Pittsburgh loves Dotson. I don't think mm-hmm. he gets the respect nationally that – Right, right, right. And the team know. loves him, obviously. Yeah. They're, they're, so, really, you're fighting, you know, a, a rookie versus Finney at center – 
And just like last year, a, a banner versus Chooks battle at left tackle, and you have Haig, you know, that's a bird in the hand that could play probably any of the four spots besides center. And, you know, you drafted uh, Moore, too. So see what he does, but you'd love to redshirt him for the season. They're not big names, I mean, besides DeCastro, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I kind of like your idea there. Uh, to your point on that, I did a little deep dive uh, into Najee Harris. Uh, the people who are still saying uh, that Najee Harris shouldn't have been the Steelers pick. I actually went back, I looked at what – here's what Mel Kuyper said last year when, when the Kansas City drafted – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. I don't know what he said, but everybody was raving. Oh, no, the just yeah. got richer. They're oh, so yeah. smart. Andy Reid. You know, right. Uh, to quote Mel, he said, he's a perfect fit for Andy Reid's offense, which will be scary again in 2020. That's what he said about right. uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire of- with the 32nd pick last year. Now, all of a sudden, here's what he had to say about the Steelers' selection of Najee Harris. Eight picks earlier than what this... Right, where, right. So, uh, I'm not... A huge difference there. This one is tough for me because I'm a big fan of Najee Harris, but I'm almost always against taking a running back in the first round. Well, you weren't last year, Mel. <laughs> round one is too valuable. Harris needs to be a superstar every down back for this to work out. Okay. Well, I think that's what they think he is. Right. Certainly an every down back. I mean, I think he, we already know he's an every down back. Do we know he's a superstar? No, but we, we they, Mel, all like the player. Here's the thing. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year, and this is through Football Outsiders' DVOA rankings for running backs, mm-hmm. was 33rd in the league in, in DVOA right, among right. running backs. That was one spot ahead of James Conner, yeah. who okay. was 34th. Wow. Uh, James Conner had a, a minus, uh, what was a minus 7.5 rating in that. Zero is average. Zero is flat-out average, yeah. yeah. And this are all with... You know, somewhat of a sample size you mentioned before, yeah. like 200 carries or more or something like that. Yeah, it was 100 carries. 100 carries yeah. or more, okay. Um, Benny Snell, the Steelers' primary backup last year, was a minus 26.3. Who? Which was 46th out of the 47 qualifying running backs. I think the the guy who was last was the Chargers rookie. Uh, oh, it was. Definitely the UCLA kid. Yeah, he was yeah, bad. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you go and you get Kelly. the— yeah. Joshua Kelly. You make the move to get Najee Harris, who mm-hmm. I think we would both agree, even though we liked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in last year's draft, if I'm drafting, if I have a pick between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Najee Harris, I'm taking Najee Harris every time. Especially the Steelers. Yes. I, I could see where Kansas City might not. Well, they probably would, too. They would have taken Najee see, Harris, too. They would, too. Yeah, <laughs> they would. But, but I could see what Kansas City saw in Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. Compared to Dobbins and Taylor and those other guys, I'm sure they saw Westbrook, Eagles, Andy Reid together. Great. And they also were a little bit of hubris there. We don't really need anything. We'll just right. take this we're just taking this yeah. guy. Kind of like the ATN pick a little bit, too. But you ask the Steelers, I don't even think they would have considered Edward Solaire if he would have been in this draft at 24. The Chiefs didn't use him as an every down back. No. He doesn't no. run short. He doesn't, he doesn't get the ball in short yardage. He no. doesn't get the ball at the goal line. No. You can't use him in all third down situations because he can't block. He's terrible in protection. And yeah. Th- that, then it becomes a tell, and you know he's not you know, staying in the block. Right. And then, then you don't want Kelsey to stay in the block. You know, I mean, so <laughs> then you have a five-man protection, and, oh, by the way, your line was bad. And, you know, so, yeah. I mean, it's, people figure these things out pretty quick. Um, and even with Damian Harris not in the mix. I mean, that was their best guy, and then he opted out with COVID. Right. So he would have played even more probably. Which is right? why they made the move for Le'Veon Bell. 
even though they right. ended up not using him a lot down the stretch. There were times where uh, during the season where he, you know, they did use him as their third down back or their, you know, sure. Because Bell like, can protect and he can play do short yardage. Yeah, he, he ain't what he used to be, but you know, again, and Bell's a lot more like Harris. Now there were people, of course, and there's still some people who said, "Well, the Steelers should have went and drafted an offensive lineman instead." Mm-hmm. And that's I think what what Mel and some of these other people who were grading the Steelers were looking at. Well, they they need offensive linemen. They need offensive line help. Minnesota's offensive line last year. Ooh, that's a great example. The tackles were Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill, and those two were okay. The center was Garrett Bradbury, former first round pick, who's getting better, but is a work in progress. Guards were the maybe the worst position group in the NFL. The one guard was Dakota Dozier, and then they started four other guys at right guard. Yeah, they were just searching. So this offseason, they get rid of Reef. They get rid of Dozier in their mm-hmm. starting lineup. Reef is now a right tackle for the Bengals. And they had Christian Derrissaw and Wyatt Davis. Yeah. Two premium picks on that offensive line. Both of whom are going to start from jump. Here's the thing. The Vikings' offensive line last year ranked 18th, according to Football Outsiders, in run blocking. Okay. But they, the guards were really bad. They were 29th in pass blocking. But, according to Football Outsiders, they were number one in adjusted line yards and number five in running back yards. Why is that? Why is that? Well, they had Dalvin Cook. <laughs> who I bet who, on their DVOA ratings is pretty high. was really high. And certainly higher than Connor and Snell. The, the Vikings averaged 142.7 rushing yards per game last year. That was fifth in the league. Yeah. With an average, average offensive line in terms of, in terms of what the run blocking was. Oh, yeah. How much better if you put Dalvin Cook behind the Steelers' offensive line last year? Compared to what they Compared played to with. what they played with. Yes. And I, I just did my running back ranks, and, and you can find them on, online, and we talked about them. And when I dug into them – I realized also on a per game basis, only Derrick Henry averaged more yards than Cook. He had 111 yards per game per last year. Game. He missed two games. He missed two games, and he's not, you know, durability is a little bit of an issue with him. But he's an unbelievably productive running back, and a lot of things to unpeel there too. Like with two real holes in the offensive line. Another thing about the Vikings, you know, I'm a big yards per play guy. The Vikings were at the very top of the league offensively yards per play. Right. And coincidentally, were at the bottom of the league defensively. Well, Cook didn't hurt that because Cook averaged five yards a carry. Right. Well, he did help. I mean, yeah. he's part of the, I mean, the he offense. Did, he didn't hurt great. that, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was without great offensive line play. The two games where he was out in Alexander Madison, who averaged four and a half yards a carry last year. Mm-hmm. And he's fine. I mean, the two games that he had to start, he averaged 3.9 yards a carry. There's a difference. To there was a difference of guy. being the guy right, as right, opposed right. to I'm going to come in after Cook has worn the other team down for most yep. of the game. I'm coming in and I'm going to, you know, sure. here I am in the fourth quarter. We've got the lead and I'm just going to run the football here and you can't tackle me. I think you'd agree the Steelers would have sure liked to have Madison last oh, year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let alone a top ten back like Cook and what we think Harris is. Um, the other thing, which is really hard to judge, and even the, the football outsiders and analytics folks probably don't have a good feel for, if I'm playing the Vikes, I'm playing different defense if Cook's in there versus Madison. Absolutely. After Jefferson Because Cook Thielen, catches the ball well, too. He catches the ball extremely well. So I'm going to have light, active linebackers to, to deal with him. I'm certainly going to back off the line of scrimmage yep. once Jefferson emerges a stud and Thielen's a star. You know, So I'm going to make life easier for Madison to run the ball than I did for Cook. Yeah. And he still didn't do it half as well. It's it's the it's the Jerome Bettis versus Richard Huntley argument. Sure. 
you know, Richard Huntley averaged right. like six that yards, way, of, or, six yeah. yards of carry, uh, in like so two, he's better in like 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bill Cowher decides, hey, we're going to try to give him, we're going to try to make him the starter and move on from Jerome. At the end of the day, at the by the end of the season, they're back to Jerome again because they realize that Richard Huntley was not an every down running back. And, and yards per carry is not the best number to me, yeah. especially if you're a Bettis. Especially because... if you're a third, you're a guy who's on the field a lot in third downs, which right. Bettis was not. But he's not. Right. You know, you're you're breaking third and off eight, and you get a six yard gain, or third and twenty, and they let you get fifteen. Right. Right. right, right. <laughs> Against know? dime. Yeah. Right. Or, I mean, I know it's only thirty, forty carries a game, but it's fourth and one, or on your on the one go, you know one yard yeah. line, and you know he's never going to break the eighty if the, just to skew the whole right. thing, like. I did my running back list. Miles Sanders was near the top of the league in yards uh, per carry. He didn't have a great year. And if you remember against Steelers, he busted off an 80-yarder. Right. You know, if he takes one run out of there, it goes down th- you know, three-tenths of a, a yard. Well, that was one of the arguments I, somebody made with me with Connor, because you know, I mentioned that you know James Connor averaged 4.3 yards of carry last year mm-hmm. behind this supposedly awful – uh, offensive line and it wasn't good. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not pretending it's, it's it was. Not great. You know, it's not what it used to be. But right. he averaged 4.3 yards a carry, and the rest of the running backs on the roster averaged 3.1 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. And and we can all skew stats, and you know, the, the, I don't know if you're the saying about stats and lies and all those things. That, but that that also passes the eyeball test. You yeah. know, you watch McFarland run, and especially Snell versus Connor on a good day. Connor, he's much better than those guys, yeah. and. Anyone out there watching, you know, listening, let alone, you know, the, the Steelers running back coach and offensive coordinator can watch Najee versus Connor on a good day, and the gap's just as big. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. yeah I mean, so. You're, so you're talking about a guy who was the 34th best running back in the league last year. Mm-hmm. This is through the analytics because that's what we're be told. It's you got to follow the analytics on this. Sure. If Najee Harris is 17th or better, if he's half as much yeah. better than Connor – they're a much better football team. They're a much better football team. It's easier on the defense. You convert more, uh, you know, short yardage situations. You, you score some more touchdowns. Your play calling becomes different. You you would hope that, you know, the, the deep ball opens up itself up a little bit more as well. Maybe play actions more, uh, more useful. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of ripple effects to having that guy in the backfield. And frankly, I've heard a lot of fantasy people that I respect saying, I'm going to draft Najee Harris really high. He'll probably average 3.8 yards a carry behind this terrible line, and but he's going to get volume. Even if that happens, that's still okay. Right, because <laughs> he's still going to he's also going to catch chains. 50 passes. Right, right, right. I mean, if he's getting volume, things are going well. But there was also like the one of the I don't think uh, he's average 3.8 no, I don't think so either. Right. One of the arguments that, that that was raised was, well, if you take out his, uh, James Conner's two best runs of last year, he averaged 3.7 yards a carry. But yeah. you don't get to do that. Yeah. Those runs happen. They count. It'd be different if it was a twenty carry sample size, right? You know, if it's a hundred or more, you can't take out. You can take out his five worst. Two I said, or, the, the, okay, know. so if we do the same thing and we take out Anthony McFarlane's best run from last year, he averaged two point seven yards a carry. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's horrific. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's back to my Miles Sanders argument. Who's well, and, and a better back than these guys. Interesting but, that you bring up Miles Sanders because guess who was fifteenth in the league last year. He's league average. He was league. He was a league average running back in mm-hmm. terms of the DVOA. And by the way, their offensive line was horrible too. Yeah, it was just riddled with injuries. Barrett Brooks, all these guys missed a lot of time. And what would he have looked like under you know? 
if you put a, put Miles Sanders in the Steelers' offense last year, it would have been a lot better. And I think Najee is better than Miles Sanders. The average players last year, the, the two guys who were at, at league at, at closest to zero, were Adrian Peterson and Kareem Hunt. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would take Najee Harris, age aside, over either one of those guys right now. Without question. Without question. Especially when you factor in the passing game with Peterson. I mean, Peterson's a shell what he used to be. He's a special specimen, but I think Najee is as well. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, he's no slouch. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt's a really good player on what I think is the best offensive line in the league, but he was – it's almost like the same conversation in Cleveland that I bet they're having is – Boy, we really like having Hunt involved, but Chubb's so much better. Chubb's better. (laughs) Chubb's just better. better. And you see the difference when they have him and when they don't. Right. Like, Hunt's a great backup. That's a great backup. And he would start for a lot of teams around the league. But, you know, the the Steelers would have loved to have Kareem Hunt last year. Absolutely. And they still might have drafted him. But he's not Nick Chubb. (laughs) He's not Nick Chubb. You know, like, Nick Chubb goes out of the lineup and in comes Hunt. Cam Hayward and Tuitt and Bush go, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right. That's much better. Get that other guy. He's not going to run away from us like the other guys. Right. Right. Um, could you do me a favor and pull up the draft from this year, drafthistory.com or whatever? Because I understand the argument of Steelers should have taken an offensive lineman instead of a running back. That's fine. We've talked about this a million times. That's fine in a nutshell, not in the real world. And when we were live on the air, I kind of shrugged a sigh of relief when Darisaw went to pick before Steelers because they didn't have to make a decision. They didn't have to have that conversation over and over. But if you if you look at the first round, there's a huge gap from Darisaw at 23, Harris at 24 until the next lineman. So whoever the Steelers' favorite lineman was at that time, we don't know who that is, but we know what the league thought of the line group. There were six taken. There were six gone. Yeah. So you're getting a seven. The difference between six and seven was uh, the next guy taken was Landon Dickerson at 37. I mean, it's a big gap. I yeah. mean, we had half a round of NFL draft go by without an offensive lineman being taken to teams that needed them, like Baltimore. I mean, like all these playoff teams and early round picks that you know that needed offensive linemen. Don't tell me all those teams didn't have offensive line needs. Yeah, the next offensive tackle taken was Tevin Jenkins at thirty nine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. like so, even if you want to say they should have taken a lineman instead of a running back, I I, I get that argument, and I, and I think there's a, a strong case for it. Well, which one? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're and that, gonna take one. that was take with a second rounder. That was with Alex Leatherwood going at 17, which was a mm-hmm. surprise to a lot of people. Good point. Good point. And, and even the Steelers love Leatherwood. Were they taking him at 24? Probably not. Right. And so, in this particular draft, didn't work out that way. They didn't. They weren't going to trade up for one. They they weren't in a position to trade up. Let's I mean, put it this way: all the all three of the top running backs were taken before that next offensive lineman went. Good point. Good point. Right. I mean, there were three. Backs the league told us what they thought of that. And you talk about gaps. Yeah. What, what's the gap from Javante at the very early second to th- I think Sermon was the fourth one off the board. It was a full round. It was at least a, yeah. It was I mean, actually it was, about a round and a half. I'd say it's more than that, right? Yeah. It's Fifty picks or forty picks. So we said it going into the draft. There's three backs that are worth it. I'm not even sure ATN would have been in in the in the equation at 24. I think he's too much like Clyde edwards helaire I mean, they're they're, pl- they're 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 trying him out at wide receiver in Jacksonville, right? To right. work on his route running. They're work on his route running, which to me, 
I, I didn't look too much into that. But I mean, they have Robinson, who they probably like. Yeah. I'm sure Urban Meyer sees a lot of Percy Harvin in ATN. But you've been to mini camps and some of these things too. It's hard to do running back things. I mean, yeah. it might be more valuable to go run routes with the receivers. Nobody's you're not making anybody miss. You know, there's no right. blocking. There's no you know. Yeah. Go run receiver routes and learn something. Now you might learn some protections and things that sure. you know those sure. kind of things because you're you're doing some stuff live, but some yeah. mental reps. But it, yeah. it didn't. I didn't look too much into that situation. Like this guy's only going to line up and he's going to carries. He's going to yeah. yeah. He's going to play yeah. running back. Then the idea is they're going to use him as a third down mm-hmm. back kind of guy. So yeah, maybe you want him to. Hey, we want you running out of the slot a lot because that's where you're going to be at mm-hmm. uh, on third downs. Like I don't think when training camp opens, ATNs and go to the wide receiver room. No. You know what I mean? I agree. Working out with the receivers to become a better receiver. Right. When they're in padded practices, playing 11 on 11 and stuff like that, I mean, he's going to be in the backfield. Right. I agree. But uh, that's going to do it for this uh, segment of The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. So for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob Recht here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lolly. We thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.